0: When they cast their nets, as Jesus had told them, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Let's pray together. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to join us here this morning, and we trust knowing that you are a God who keeps your promises and that you promise to be with us. We trust that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So Simon is a fisherman. He has spent his entire life first learning from his father and then in business for himself with some partners, learning where to find fish. This is his expertise. His life depends on it. So he's cleaning his nets one morning after a long night of fishing, having caught nothing, when this guy comes around, being followed by a big crowd. The guy comes up to Simon, gets into his boat, and asks him if he'll row out to sea a little ways. Simon agrees, and the guy, some sort of religious nut, starts teaching the crowd from the boat as they're gathered on the shore. And then, after the time of teaching is over, he looks over at Simon, who, remember, has been up all night, failing to catch any fish, this professional fisherman, and he says, why don't you put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch? And Simon says, well, we just, we've just just been doing that. In fact, we've been doing it all night, and I didn't catch anything. But then Simon says something interesting. He says, yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. There's sort of an Obi-Wan Kenobi thing happening here, right? These These aren't the droids you're looking for, yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And Peter, like some Jedi mind-tricked stormtrooper, goes along with it. Even though he's just spent all night fishing, having caught nothing, he goes right back out, because this guy says so, and he puts down his nets. Of course, as we read, the nets come back full of fish. So full that he's got to call in his partner, the other boat, to help him pull it up. They finally get all the fish into their boats. They're so full that both boats are about to sink. Now, Simon knows that something is going on here. There's something about this character who came to the beach that morning and climbed into his boat and started teaching the crowd. Simon heard the teaching. He was sitting right there. And now he's seen this incredible fishing thing and so he turns to this man and what does he say what would you say something like wow how'd you do that what's your trick how'd you know there'd be so many fish here when I was just out here all night and didn't catch anything are you the fish whisperer (laughs) would you say something like teach me your ways so that I can catch this many fish every night You'd say something like that, right? You'd want to know more. You'd want to get closer to this man who just did this amazing thing. But not Simon. Simon apparently doesn't want to get closer. Because what Simon does is he drops to the floor of the boat in front of Jesus and says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Now I'm going to suggest to you this morning that Simon's reaction is not an overreaction. It certainly seems extreme to us, but only because we've become unaccustomed to being face to face with God. But this fearful cry and admission of sinfulness, Go away from me. For I am a sinful man, is the perfectly appropriate response to the presence of God. We've also become unaccustomed to thinking of ourselves as sinners. It's not a very tasteful proposition, and we just prefer not to think about that. And yet here's Simon, face to face with Jesus Christ, and falling at his feet and saying, Go away. I am a sinner. Now, today we actually got two readings like this. The other one from our Old Testament lesson in Isaiah, the sixth chapter of his prophecy. Isaiah has this vision of going into the throne room of Almighty God. He says, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. That's like the hem, right? The very end, the train of his robe is filling the temple. Just imagine it. Above him were seraphs, says Isaiah. These angels with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Can you imagine this vision that Isaiah is having? It's an assault on the senses. There's Almighty God on the throne. He is so enormous that only the train of his robe is filling the room that Isaiah is in. There's giant angels with six wings flapping around and shouting to one another, the Doorposts and the foundations are trembling, and there's smoke. This is what coming before Almighty God is like. And how does Isaiah respond? Woe to me, he cries. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people. Of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King the Lord God Almighty again this is the perfectly appropriate reaction to coming face to face with the glory of God but doesn't it seem foreign to us these seem like crazy overreactions telling Jesus to go away Assuming you're going to be destroyed by God? Well, it seems foreign to us for a very simple reason. We've never seen God. It gets so easy to forget. The world continually suggests to our subconscious that God is nice and fuzzy, if indeed he even exists at all. He's sort of your grandfather in the sky, the author of those beautiful sunsets. That you see, we've heard stories about Jesus, but the world has trained us to think of him with a blue sash and a neatly trimmed beard holding a lamb. This is what we think of nothing to be afraid of. But Proverbs 9 says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. What can that mean? But Simon and Isaiah, we can tell, are afraid. Go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Woe to me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. Our first reaction is to say, whoa, guys, lighten up. Don't be so hard on yourselves. But we've never experienced what they are experiencing. I have a friend who uses this example Imagine that a movie screen was set up in a big outdoor public space and that movie played the real story of your life. Your life, your own personal Truman Show with cameras that have followed you all around everywhere. But somehow this movie is also showing your thoughts and your emotions played out on the screen for all to see. And of course, a crowd is forming. To watch this true story of you, both inside and out. Now, who could stand to be in that audience for even a moment? Who, upon seeing what was starting to happen on the screen, wouldn't scream, Woe to me, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. We can't tolerate anyone knowing the real, deep, ugly truth about ourselves. And God, almighty God, we know back in some deep, dark recess of our mind, gets to see that movie. And so we say, go away. In fact, we beg, don't watch. For I am a sinful man. Now, an interesting thing has happened in the years between when Peter fell at Jesus' knees in the boat and today. Today, our reaction, our standard reaction is very different than Peter's. Today, our first reaction isn't to beg a holy God to go away because we're worried about his holiness destroying us. Today, we actually demand. That an allegedly holy God go away because how dare he make us feel so badly about ourselves? We are a proud bunch, you and me. And so we turn, go away from me, for I am a sinful man, into something more like, oh, I'm a sinful man, am I? Go away from me. Does that sound familiar? The refrain is the same. We've just turned it around so that we are commanding God to go away rather than begging him to do it. We get so offended that someone might dare call us a sinner or make us feel like a sinner that we banish them from our presence. How presumptuous. That's why Jake Blues tells Cab Calloway that he doesn't go to church and I don't need some jive preacher talking to me about heaven and hell. In other words, I don't want to be called a sinner. But listen, that's only because we've never seen God. It's only possible to be so proud because we've never seen God. We've never been in that great and terrible presence Isaiah, in the presence of God, says, woe to me, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. Simon, in the presence of God, says, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. But we, who have never seen God, have learned to be haughty. Oh, I'm a sinful man, am I? Go away from me. How dare you? But there is good news, even for the haughty. In response to our command that he leave us alone, God, in his immeasurable wisdom and wonderful sense of humor, and on account of Christ, says, no. We say, go away from me. And he says, no. He refuses to go away. Listen again to the stories. Simon says, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Then Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. They bring their boats to shore, and they leave everything to follow him. Isaiah says, woe to me, I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. But then one of the seraphs, one of those angels flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with it. He touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. After each denial. Each refusal, each expression of fear, God has a word of peace. And notice, the word of peace isn't that you're wrong, you're not a sinner, you're fine just the way you are. No, God's word of peace is a word of companionship and redemption. In Jesus, I will be with you. In Jesus, I am for you. You're right, you are a sinner. But I will not go away. It is for you that I came. As St. Paul wrote to the Romans, Jesus comes to the enemies of God. Sinners like him. Men like Peter and Isaiah. Like me. Like you. The unworthy. Those who tell Jesus to go away. Jesus' great promise in the face of our fear is to be for us and to be with us, us sinners, forever. So again, week by week, we find that we are talking once again about that great theme, these two words of God. First, this word of judgment, a word that doesn't actually even need to be spoken. Peter and Isaiah know by the very presence of God that they are unworthy. They understand in the light of God's holiness how sinful they are. They exclaim, I am a sinful man. I am a man of unclean lips. In the presence of God, they just know. That they're not worthy. God's holiness reveals their sinfulness. But as always, that first word, that word about God's holiness, is never the last word. The angel says to Isaiah, pressing a burning coal to his lips, Your guilt is taken away. Your sin blotted out. Jesus says to Peter, Do not be afraid. This final word completely overwhelms and obliterates that first word. Isaiah becomes the greatest of the prophets and a tireless follower of God. Peter comes to the shore, drops everything he has and follows Jesus and becomes a man whose profession of the gospel is so profound that it becomes the rock upon which the church of Jesus Christ is founded. When we come face to face with God, it is bad news. His holiness, His perfection, His very being causes us to say, I'm not the man I want to be. Bad news. I'm not the wife I could be. Bad news. I'm not the brother or sister I ought to be. Bad news. I'm not the friend I desire to be. Bad news. I'm not the Christian I'm called to be. Bad news. Depart from me. For I am a sinful man. Or... Oh, I'm a sinful man, am I? Depart from me. But there is good news. God, knowing our hearts, knowing the depths of our sinfulness, selfishness, anger, frustration, and envy, hears our command to depart and says no. You who were once my enemy are now on account of Christ. My beloved child, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen.